Derek, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Seth? Uh, it's a pretty good week. Uh, it's a pretty crazy week. Um, we had some uh, pretty big stories come up this week. Um, oh, yeah. So it, it has a, everyone probably listening to this has seen it. Um, it's all over the news. Uh, Derek, this is your baby. Oh, yeah. Um, it has to do with Starlink, has to do with Starship, has to do with a lot of things. Uh, what is the uh, What is the deal with SpaceX? Well, on Friday, Elon Musk sent an email to SpaceX employees, and it addressed a number of things, but definitely the most worrying part of the email was the last line where he said, what it comes down to is that we face genuine risk of bankruptcy if we can't achieve a Starship flight rate of at least once every two weeks next year. Mm-hmm. That sounds, first of all, that sounds just about impossible. It is a very dark thing to say. Um, and no one really sees it as true at all. Um, For There's also two reasons. There's one, I mean, how you know, SpaceX is, you know, fairly capital rich but also how are you going to get two weeks you know every once every two weeks when you're not even you know regularly you know uh, regulatory approved for that too so it's yeah so they're of course they're going to start with their orbital test flight of course with ship 20 and they'll slowly ramp up over time so hopefully by the end of next year maybe they'll be able to fly a starship every two weeks so part of the reason uh Elon was saying that is necessary is referencing Starlink. So the V2 Starlink satellites, he said, can't fly on Falcon as it has neither the volume nor the mass to orbit needed for them. And that the initial V1 satellite is financially weak, whereas V2 is strong. Now, they're currently flying the V1.5 satellites, which have laser-based interconnects. That definitely adds more capability to the Starlink network. However, And we don't actually have much detail on the V2 Starlink satellites yet, but they are apparently larger and much more valuable for SpaceX in terms of launches. And in order to expand with the network, uh, he said that the terminal production, uh, so the user terminal, what the user actually uses to connect to Starlink internet is spooling up to several million units per year. And so that'll be extremely expensive. But in order for the Starlink network to be able to support all those users, they need to have V2, the Starlink V2 satellites online to handle the bandwidth. And so they need to get Starship launching V2 in order to be able to continue to expand the network as much as Elon wants to. Now, we'll, of course, touch on this later. Uh, we don't we see this as a rallying cry, which Elon sort of confirmed later with his tweets, but we definitely don't see it as SpaceX is truly going bankrupt here. It's we need to work hard to resolve these issues. And so I am saying this so that my workers understand the gravity of the situation <laughs> and are willing to come work on Thanksgiving weekend, because as he said, uh, he was going to take this weekend off and it was going to be his first one off in a long time, but he is on he he was apparently on the raptor line throughout the whole weekend um yeah and the email i think really uh drives the the idea how important starlink is the spacex we've heard of it for ever since starlink was created that you know internet you know constellations uh, internet constellations are extremely hard and most 
aren't successful or are just not really commercially viable for the mass market. Absolutely. Uh, and and SpaceX had an advantage here by having the launch vehicle. They have yeah. Falcon. That's a partially reusable vehicle. They land and can refly the first stage. Starship will have the advantage of being fully reusable, so they won't need to make a fully brand new second stage for each launch of satellites. They can eventually they'll be able to refly the the booster and the second stage to launch satellites that'll help them cost wise. And they have the previously mentioned mass and size uh, gains from there. But Starlink and all satellite constellations are expensive to maintain because they need, they can't just launch a single satellite that can cover a large section of the most valuable portion of the United States because they're in low earth orbit. They need to launch a ton of satellites that cover basically the entire earth. They can uh, like orient towards lower or higher altitudes, but really they need to have a complete coverage in order to provide consistent internet. And so that's a massive cost that SpaceX has been, I mean, they have been, a lot of coverage, but they yeah. th- they need to continue to to expand there. Yeah, it's like they they've been eating this cost for a while with with the development cost, which is expected with any new project, and it's getting to the point where yeah, they really do need to get this operational. It seems like the you know, and Starship is a very big deal with that with V two apparently that that V two is heavily dependent on Starship, and if Starship isn't ready and Raptor isn't ready and if all this stuff isn't ready, um. I want to say it, 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 I, w- I don't want to go to the point where if, if Starlink isn't successful, Starship isn't successful because there is NASA funding coming in for Starship as well. Like, but if Starship can't get stuff going and Starlink can't get the stuff going and then Starlink just has to, you know, might have to eventually go away if they can't get these issues solved. Um, yeah. And which I think is what it looks like the most of anything. You know, I don't think we're going to be seeing the, the market with commercial space flight with Dragon is um, according at least to SpaceX, very strong um, with NASA as well as private missions. So uh, Falcon 9, I think it's fairly safe. Uh, very, very safe. Um, yeah. And now Elon did even say in a tweet referencing the articles that uh, when asked how the Raptor thing is going, he said it's getting fixed. So again, we we can we can only take his word for so much, um, but hopefully that is good progress. They can overcome these issues and they can get Starship flying, surviving, and reflying. Um, because, yeah, the, the email taken at face value looks really bad. Um, mm-hmm. Because, of course, they had exiting senior management before who were people leading propulsion. And so it, it seems almost as if these issues were discovered as and because they left, and so uh, as the new management came in, more issues with the production were discovered uh, with the reliability of the the Raptors because they they are producing a lot of Raptors. But when you're using over when you're using over thirty engines for a single full vehicle, that you yeah. need to produce a lot of engines, for even if a, you have a reusable uh, yeah, rocket. For, for a, a rocket engine, they're producing them quite quickly compared to the rest of the industry but for yeah. what they need is they need a lot more um being produced and that's where raptor 2 comes in apparently we'll fix all the issues that we saw with the the raptor version we have now um 
and of course down the line i guess they're looking at a brand new engine that's similar feel similar you know i have a design just you know i guess it will be a, a very big change uh, yeah he said he said it. the uh engine that takes us, us to mars will be another version and one that's not called raptor so that'll be interesting to see it'll of course take Velocity a lot raptor? more time <laughs> it'll take a lot more time to develop but yeah the email looks bad but when we broke the story on monday night we we had a very important space explorers take down at the bottom uh just giving our full thoughts on the email and we really can't take the the bankruptcy thing that he says at face value it has to be looked at in context and it really harkens back to the days of him sleeping on the Tesla line, that sort of thing. And they are rapidly progressing. You don't, it's not a normal thing for rockets to move this quickly. We had a, mm-hmm. a ton of prototypes launch, explode or launch land, then explode. And then there was one that launched and landed and didn't explode last year. And so yeah. they had a ton of stuff going on there and now they're just getting ready to have an, their orbital test and then it it doesn't normally move this quickly or this out in the open. So it, like you said, the commercial crew and Falcon nine and commercial cargo stuff, that's all solid. Uh, Elon has a ton of capital in Tesla. He has backing. There are certainly more investors that would be willing to join in to provide capital. If that was a limitation, for SpaceX. So, and the, the risk of them going to public, I think there was a lot of talk about that when he said a lot has changed in the last eight years, but yeah, uh, he has been pretty solid about not wanting to take SpaceX public in the past and saying that Starlink would be the first part of that to go public, but it would first have to be, I believe it was cash flow positive were the words specifically that he used. And so, Clearly, Starlink is not at that point yet. They need to get these V2 satellites launching, get cash flow positive, And then from there, perhaps the Starlink subsidiary could go public. But yeah, if it, it's not wise to uh, be beholden to the market when your goal is something as financially risky as trying to put humans on Mars, which is Musk's goal here. Yeah, the the history he went into that you know that that email that came out from that was from 2013. You know, kind of go into the detail of why he will not you know take SpaceX public. And I think a lot of it still rings true today. Like it's, it's the history that he had with Tesla and the issues he had with Tesla. Even just you know, even just tweeting the slightly the wrong things could cause you know disaster for stock prices um, or rises and then lawsuits. But um, when you're dealing with something like going to Mars or even just developing a new rocket, you know, something that's groundbreaking as starship, uh, the market is probably not going to be too happy with you when you see how much money you're spending on, on that ship. Uh, and they're seeing, you know, explosions. So even though that sort of testing is, is, has gotten there very, very far, uh, you know, most probably a lot of the general market investors are going to be like, no, thank you. Absolutely. And like, if you think about the Tesla stock, when it would take dips as anything would go wrong with SpaceX, that's just because they have the same like CEO. Like, Mm -hmm. imagine how much SpaceX would be effective if they actually 
were how much of the SpaceX stock would be affected if I it would be the most volatile stock probably out there just going up and down like, yep, oh, we're getting closer to launch going up and then Starship does that work and goes back down like it would be crazy. But yeah, yeah. now, of course, there are other companies, Rocket Lab, Astra that are public going public and there are massive advantages to that in terms of like raising capital. But Mm -hmm. that's really not what SpaceX is about and not what they need right now. They have their private investors. They had they reached their like hundred billion dollar valuation recently through a secondary stock sale. So they have value. They have private investors if they need capital. And yeah, so going public and going bankrupt does not seem realistic Anytime in the future. Yeah, not, not, very, not, not soon at all. Um, we're going to probably get to this later well, after the show. Of course, uh, everyone listening to our podcast uh, afterwards, the, we do the live Twitter space for it every week. So that's what we're doing right now. We'll probably be doing plenty of Q&A at the end of it. Seems like we have a good amount of people in here um, that probably want to ask questions. Uh, but we're going to move on with the rest of the roundup of the week uh, of quick space news. We actually have a pretty important, um, I think, relative. Uh, Relatively important meeting that happened today with the National Space Council. Um, it was Cam- uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's Harris uh, first meeting, uh, chairing the the meeting. It added in uh, new members uh, to the to the council that uh, President Trump revised uh, when he came back into uh, when he was elected president. So those positions that they added were Secretary of the Interior, Secretary of Agriculture, Secretary of Labor, Secretary of Education. And the National Climate Advisor. So this pretty much rings, you know, what the Biden administration's kind of goals have been since he's taken, um, since he's moved into office, um, you know, with, with climate, fighting climate change and, and um, you know, of course, uh, STEM education with the sector of education and labor going, uh, being in there as well. Uh, this is a, a, a step forward for the, uh, or a, a growth of the of the National Space Council for what their tasks were going to be doing. And that rang true very well um, during the meeting. Um, of course, if you ever watch one of these meetings, it's about like, you know, 20 or so people. I think there's uh, almost 20 people now in the council in a room, all reading prepared statements, pretty much. Uh, it's not necessarily the most riveting content in the world, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's very important. It, it, it's very, very important. And I think this was, I think this is a great step with the, uh, um, uh, for the council as well. So, uh, there was a pretty, uh, very strong stance by the Department of Defense as well as the Vice President um, on the uh, anti-satellite test from Russia that took place um, earlier la- uh, last month. Um, the Pentagon came out very strict with, um, we do not want, you know, we we wish to see no more nations doing this. Um, of course, that is a uh, pretty big words coming from a, uh, you know, the country that did that did the same thing back in 2008. Um, but yeah, it's uh. I think this is something that we need to definitely get under control, especially with a similar treaty ban, you know, like we saw with nuclear tests. It's something that could be um, uh, something that is, uh, what's the term? Um, uh, just could, you know, ruin uh, space access for everyone in the world. So, Absolutely. There's a ton of risk that comes here. And now we've also seen some, I don't know how to, <laughs> how to quite state this, but Rose Cosmos has been tweeted about every American rocket 
fragment every upper stage that has come remotely near the station now saying a, like a 5.4 kilometer pass is expected to the space station just as a way to sort of punch back at NASA and say you're not so high and mighty uh yeah well, so it's it, uh yeah it's it, interesting it, to see that sort of politics Twitter tension happening yeah yeah. yeah, it is what it is. You know, they're going to, you know, one country will say something, another country will come back with another nice quip and everything like that. So, uh, other, you know, two other big things that are, um, you know, kind of before this point, we were really questionable about how the Biden administration will see space and how important it will be for their administration. And, you know, we had the moon rock in, in his office, uh, in President Biden's office, which was super cool to see. And then we had, um, you know, uh, a continuation of, of countries signing on the Artemis cores, but we weren't sure if that was something sticking around or if that was just something still happening post, you know, Biden, uh, Stein, you know, tenure. Uh, but this, um, several Trump era, uh, policies are staying in place with expanding private industry. Um, it continue on with, um, with the Artemis Accords and the, the, the exploration of the moon, which is something that is a nice, refresher from year from previous administrations where we have four to eight years of of great progress in one direction and then new new administration comes in and like no we want to go this way and changes everything up and we've been kind of stagnant for so long and and a a continuation to yes we're going to keep on you know uh, moving forward uh with what we've been doing for the past four years uh is a a nice a nice thing to see one last thing we're going to talk about, then we'll probably go in the Q&A, will be uh, Rocket Lab in the morning, early in the morning for me, 7 a.m. Not really that early, but I, that's the time I usually wake up. Uh, Rocket Lab will be doing an uh, announcement on their uh, Neutron rocket. Um, we don't know much about what's going to be announced. Uh, I think we're each going to do a quick what we think will be announced uh, segment. So what, what do you want? What do you think we're going to see tomorrow morning? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. Um now I, I will I will just point out taking a look at the logo for Neutron. I, I think it'll obviously be a very different design to that we've seen. Uh, mm-hmm. That has sort of already been confirmed that the renders we've seen aren't reminiscent of what it'll actually be, and that they're kind of uh, more a farce. So it, I think it'll be very different. Um, it's really hard to say exactly what it'll be. New engine is pretty solid. I believe that was revealed in a document earlier this week or late last week. Um, so different engine, obviously much larger rocket. Uh, beyond that, it's total speculation. Yeah, uh, I guess we're going to begin seeing a new design because Peter Beck has, has stated that that design that came out is no longer really a uh, really what the design is going to be. And then uh, it was kind of just like a, a ploy to, <laughs> the, for kind of like an inside joke, apparently, with, with the company. And then um, I, I it mentioned the C fuel type. I don't know if we, we saw what fuel type the engine would be taking, if, it, if it's going to be methane, if it's going to be continuing with RP1 and kerosene. I think, it, I think it's still kerosene. I think it says it on their, on their site, kerosene. Um, although major update, who knows what that could mean. Maybe they've changed their mind on that, and maybe it's, not, maybe it's changing. But we'll, only, only time will tell uh, tomorrow morning. Um, saw something. I saw a poll, uh, a poll by, I think it was Scott Manley, uh, about certain things that could be done, and fully reusable was an option. That would be qu- really cool. Um, 
Peter Beck has definitely flipped his mind on reusability. I think that would be a, a crazy thing to see from him um, go from no reusability in his rockets to fully reusable. Um, I I would like to see that because I think it'd be really cool, but I, I, I don't know if I'll see that. But I think the biggest thing is it's definitely we're, it's not going to be the design that we have now. It will be definitely different. Yeah, so... so- Either way, we don't have long to wait, and by the time people are listening to the recording of this, uh, you'll perhaps know how much of this is true and what was really stated about the rocket. So uh, it'll be interesting to see or hear. Yeah, I'll be looking forward to tomorrow morning. Um, so stick to the SpaceX board for more um, for coverage on that event in the morning. Uh, so uh, we're going to do a quick outro here. Thank you, everyone, for... Uh, listening to our podcast this week of course you can find us all on on, Insta- on twitter uh, uh mine is seth kirk that's s-c-t-h-k-u-r-k and you can follow derek at derek is wise that's d-e-r-e-k-i-s-w-i-s-e and you can listen to the space board podcast on all of your major streaming platforms as well as at space see you guys all next week bye